0: what is on your mind? What is it that you'll like to focus on today?
1: What my underlying deep issue is, is a deep block, I think, which was installed in me by my dad when I was really, really young, that I really need to work hard to get to anywhere, to achieve anything. Now, I've been working on this for some time, like I've been into this work, especially into this, you know, mindset work since 2017. So it's been six years But when it comes to me understanding, yes, do I still attach to that block or that thinking? Nothing comes up. Mm -hmm. But when I see that in my behavior, in my day-to-day actions, it shows up in many ways. It shows Mm -hmm. up in the way sometimes I'm talking to my kids. It shows up in the way that, you know, like, for example, when you say just post to your prospective leads and don't attach to them. I think that's too easy. Like, I think that with that ease, I don't think I'm going to get anywhere. Like, mm. I do that. I do whatever, you know, the program asks me to do, or I do whatever I advice I get from the other resources that we have on Mind Valley. But I can't simply unattach from the fact that it's not going to be that easy. And people just don't sit there to throw money at you. You do have to do a lot of hard work mm-hmm. to, to earn that trust and earn that respect. So I'm still not sure. I still believe that the block still sits in me.
0: Okay. So let's suspend the idea of a block. The reason why I like to suspend ideas if I have a block or I have this particular belief is because a lot of times those are informed by an understanding that is just an understanding because a lot of people are saying the same thing. It feels like that's the thing that is the truth. A lot of the times that self-diagnosis doesn't actually help in moving the conversation forward. So let's ignore the word block, that you have a block. Let's first understand what is it that's happening and what if it is actually of concern. So let's say hypothetically, you are like, I need to work hard, right? That's mm-hmm. something that you believe to be true. Wherever it comes from doesn't matter, but that's the belief that you have. Is that something that actually creates resistance in your reality? Do you actually feel like, oh, I'm always burnt out because I feel like I need to work hard? Or is it more so where you go, I don't deserve certain things because I haven't worked hard for it? Or where is it that it actually shows up in your life for you to go? Well, I think I need to work on this hard work thing.
1: So that's more former. There is a bit of latter as well in there that I don't deserve a lot of these things. But I think it's more I more relate to the the former uh, statement that he said that when it comes to working hard, I've done twenty five years of work in my life, and I'm at a point now. I think that things should be easy. Mm-hmm. And when, when it comes to looking at something new, for example, it does seem like a lot of work. And I feel that, oh, that's a lot of work. I mean, and it needs a lot of work. So I come from that thinking, which does create that resistance, as you said. That, oh, yeah. I'll have to do a lot of work for this. Shouldn't I be just sitting down and enjoying some of the things that I already have? What is the need for more? Mm-hmm. I do feel that I'm at a really comfortable stage in my life.
0: Mm But I'm not that comfortable. So let's diagnose that a little bit. And this exploration is important so we understand the motivation of things. I was just speaking with somebody else just right before you. I had another podcast where I was coaching somebody and they had a a problem where life is comfortable and hence have lost the drive right? Because life's comfortable. You could get around, things are easy, you know, like you have a career that you've built or a way to make money that you've built. And so life has become easy and that had led them to lose the drive of living, right? You seem to have a counter approach. You're saying life is easy, but I love working hard. Yeah. (laughs) Is that true though? Am I understanding this correct?
1: So life is easy when it comes to the career that I'm in at the moment, which pays for my day-to-day but my true calling is to actually help people, which is mm-hmm. why, you know, I'm doing all of this, spending a lot of my time, spending a lot of my energy, and I do get people to have breakthroughs. So, you know, those mm-hmm. are precious points, which mm-hmm. I do not want to trade for anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, that part of my career is hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the comfort's not coming from
0: that part of the career. Okay, so let's ask the question around the part of career that is where you've done 25 years of work, right? Is that day-to-day feels hard to you? No. Do you work really hard in it? Not really, no. Okay, so here's a question. Let's explore this. When we do something for a long period of time, they tend to become easy. It does, yes, because right. I
1: can close my eyes and do that work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you have done it enough times that you can close your eyes and you can do that work. Now, there is this other work that you want to explore. And because it's new, it's different, there are pathways that still need to be developed, right? Now, there may be, curiously, there may be areas that you did in this profession that actually help you execute in this profession. Like, for example, you probably figured out in the career that you've had in 25 years how to get most out of you. What time of day is the best for you to get the most productive work done? You may have found some systems, some processes, some ways to work with people. You might have found many things about life in this area of life that are kind of overlayable on this area of your life. The reason why I'm proposing or suggesting or kind of bringing this to your attention is that, first of all, anything that is new is going to be hard. And it's a good thing in a way that you're driven for hard work or you're wired for hard work because it will allow you to discover and not give up, right? Because you'll go, oh, okay, I'm going to try something else, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing unless it starts to hurt your health and people around you. Till the time it is done in the balance of I get to enjoy my life and at the same part of time I'm creating something difficult, it's actually the most ideal condition that a person wants to be in perpetually because that's how you fuel the fire of being human. If everything would be extremely easy, there is no desire to create, and when there is no desire to create, you're not going to create. Yeah, so hard work is not the problem. What's doing for you may be a problem. We'll diagnose that and discover that in a second. So, if you're driven for hard work and you could borrow some skills that you have developed from this other profession into this profession, you may find the perfect balance of ease and difficulty, ease and difficulty, because you can borrow from profession and the experience of life overlay it to this new career and accelerate what otherwise may take five years to build, say, and build in one year or two years. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Right? So the invitation at this stage would be to ask ourselves the question of, what is it that I can borrow from my existing skill sets and bring it to this new career? Now, lot of times what happens is people think that building a coaching business is like building from scratch. That's not true. You are actually building on a foundation of what you've done in life right? So you actually have 50% more chance and quickness of success than somebody who actually started from scratch, which is somebody who was 22 years old, just finished high school or college and are going into a coaching profession. And they need to work really hard for eight years before they might see success. But somebody who has already done 20 years of actual work in the world it's going to take them much faster, two, three, maybe four years. So cutting the time short by 50%, but they're still doing something new. So there's a lot of learning, a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity and somewhat hard work that needs to go into it. Now, so first of all, it's not a problem if you're wired for hard work. There's no challenge, All right? Okay. This actually might be a good thing. That is usually what is the difference between high performers and performers that struggle is the wiring that they have around and the acceptance they have around difficult things. One of the key philosophies I have followed in my life and that it tends to be true for me even today is I almost walk towards pain, I call it. It doesn't mean I want to be physically hurt. That's not the pain I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pain of growth, right? So if I know this is something I'm avoiding because it may be painful intellectually, spiritually, emotionally for me, I actually lean in and I go, let's see what's there. Because I know every single time I'll pass through that pain, I will grow as a person. Now, I don't do it all the time, but I tend to, especially if it is in the area of desire that I have for my life, I go, let's go in this pain. Now, that pain may look like hard work. That pain may look like intellectually challenging myself. That pain may look like emotionally challenging myself. That pain may look like spiritually challenging or physically challenging myself, right? But I'm moving towards the pain because I know that's the opportunity of growth. That is not a bad attitude till the time you have an understanding of what you're doing, right? It becomes a bad attitude when we start sacrificing living to trade in hard work because then we are doing it for acceptance. We are not doing for joy, right? So there's a nuanced difference and the understanding of hard work, which lets us now lean into the second part of our conversation, which is why do you think you want to work really hard? Is it because you have a desire to build something and you're excited about it? Or is it because you're looking for acceptance?
1: I think it is looking for acceptance.
0: Mm. Who do you feel is the acceptance you're looking
1: for? It's funny that you've actually come to this. So when I was a small child, I had this complaint that nobody listens to me. Nobody cares. Like even if I say something, nobody cares. As if at certain points in my life, in my school, I was transparent. Like I was transparent to other people. It's not that like people didn't listen to me. At least I felt that way. I know that there's been instances where, you know, if I have needed something, everything has been made possible for me to get that thing. I know that there's been instances where I've done really good at school and, you know, people have praised me for and awarded me for all my efforts. So it's not that I've not been hurt, but I've actually felt that most times I was transparent. Mm-hmm. I do feel that as well.
0: Do you sometimes, feel that
1: now? Sometimes I do feel that now. That
0: is there a person or a thing or an event where you feel like that?
1: So when it comes to growth philosophies, for example, if you're having a conversation on growth philosophies, I know that I've done a lot of work in trying to understand. So when we are in a conversation, I do feel that everybody has their own growth philosophies. So I do feel intimidated. Like, you know, I've got teenager kids, 17, and 14, and they don't want to listen. You know, of course, they don't want to listen for many other reasons. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it just keeps solidifying the fact that even, you know, nobody cares. Whatever I say, they're actually going to still do their own thing. Mm -hmm. So I think having a voice in the world in this way, where I'm able to speak about those things that I've actually learned, which I know have a really deeper meaning and everybody needs to give them a chance for a better life, I know there is less acceptance for that. I know there's less acceptance for spirituality in the world at the moment. So that's where I feel that people do not accept me. And that's where I actually go really transparent. That's where it takes a lot of effort as you've gotten to, Mm -hmm. where I know that, Even if I say something, it's not going to matter. And it is going to take me a lot of work for them to get there. There is no compulsion for them to get there. But there are certain things that I see where I actually go, yeah, maybe you should transform. You should transform your thinking. You need to think in a different way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Where, you know, that's how how it is. That's how I feel. That's the resistance I feel.
0: So let's look at human behavior, including your behavior, my behavior. Mm -hmm. When... And if I propose an idea or you, somebody proposes an idea to you, do you immediately say, yes, your idea is the best and I will listen to it? Is that your first response?
1: So my response as a person is if that has created a
0: a little aha inside me, I will listen to you. So it's conditional. I will give you that 100%. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it's conditional, right? Now, what we must understand is it's conditional for every human being, right? Yeah. And because it's conditional for every human being, including our kids, what tends to happen is it's not that they are not listening. It's more about that an inquiry has been presented to someone. And now it is conditional if they would listen or not. See, I have really young kids, not teenagers. I have like a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. And I know my four-year-old will not listen to what I have to say until his conditions are met right? Now you've had a four-year-old and that's how they are. Yeah. Because what four-year-olds or 13-year-olds are trying to do is they're trying to find themselves. They're trying to find the truth in themselves. So in one way, we could say that your teenage kids are actually really smart. They are saying, mom, I know you got you, but I got to get got me, right? I know you can help me, but I got to figure this out by myself. So there's an opportunity here to reconsider if they're not listening to you or are they listening to themselves. Yeah, agree, agree. And that's not only true for your teenagers. That's actually true for all human beings. It's not that we don't listen to others. It's that our voice is so loud in our head that we need to first learn how to turn down that noise to be able to listen to someone. Yeah. Which is why when we coach anyone, when we are in a coaching relationship, it's permission-based. Right? I must get your permission if you are willing to listen. Because for you to listen, it's not about what I'm saying. It's about are you able to turn off your own noise to be able to listen what I'm really going to say? Yeah. So it's not about you, it's about them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The reason why I'm bringing this to your attention is you see, these narratives is what defines how we show up in the world, right? If the narrative is, I am transparent, nobody listens to me, we show up in a way where we go, oh, for me to be heard, I have to be louder. Or I shouldn't talk because nobody's listening. Neither of which is true. Because that's how we ourselves are. There is somebody in your family or extended family or in your office that thinks I am transparent to pile. Because they think you don't listen to what they're saying. It's not that you don't listen to what they're saying. You are dealing with your own voice. And that's just the truth of life, right? Which is why coaching is a beautiful relationship to establish with anyone. Because then you have permission and they can listen. Now, that's firstly, the reason why I'm tackling that first is because that's your social environment. And social environment help us really understand how to navigate and what we are going to believe about ourselves very often. Especially when somebody's that close to you, like your kids or your partner right they're the ones that kind of define how you're going to look at the world a lot of the times just because that is so close to you and you're so tight and you spend so much time in that social structure that if you don't consider that social structure properly if you don't design that social structure properly if you don't understand that social structure properly no amount of change no amount of work is going to actually help because that social structure will bring you back exactly to where you started Yep. okay so first consideration is to say how can I revisit this external environment immediate environment for sure that I stop putting a narrative that's just not true because the narrative is not true you are not transparent you never were you just never considered that somebody else has so much to deal with for themselves that you are never their first priority and you never will be because nobody else is your first priority before you including your kids including your partner, even if you love them the world and then some, you are still going to be your first priority because you got to get you to be able to do anything. Yep. Mm. Right? So first is social structure. Now let's come into the acceptance piece (laughs) beyond the social structure. Is there something that you need to accept within yourself to be able to lean out of this narrative of I need to work hard? While it is a good attitude to have working hard, I'm not denying that. Like I already advocated for it. The curiosity for me is the need or the, that the requirement that you put on it, that everything must be difficult is where my curiosity is taking me. Is there something that you need to accept within yourself that, that needs to be done so you can accept yourself as the person that shows up that may or may not work hard? And what would it feel like if you could build the business that you want to build or the new business that you want to build, a new career that you want to have, and you still had an opportunity to be in that presence of doing nothing for several hours a day? Would that be an enjoyable experience or would that be a catastrophic experience?
1: That would be an awesome experience, Ajit.
0: If based on what we started the conversation as where you need to work hard, what would that mean for that version of pile, which says, I need to work hard how can I sit down and chill out? What's the dialogue going to be?
1: The dialogue would be that I'm feeling that nothingness
0: while I'm working. You're feeling that nothingness while you're working. Yeah. Tell me more.
1: So the sessions that I do come really effortless. Mm -hmm. I don't prepare for those sessions. You know, Mm -hmm. of doing that for a few years. I know like, you know, those, these conversations that you're having, you know, a part of that I do create for some of you are a master coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not a master are but I do get those transformations, those aha moments. So those sessions, as you probably would know, feel effortless because you go into a conversation with curiosity. And I think that's where there is acceptance because the other person has already given me that permission. And I accept that I don't have to be loud to be able Mm -hmm. to do that. I know that I will ask the question and their response is going to create that moment for them. Mm -hmm. So so I think that is where I enjoy because that's where, when I say nothingness, I know that there is no effort. It's, I'm chilled out. I'm presenting myself as a really good version. I do not talk. I listen. I listen more. The moments where I'm not doing that, but still working for the coaching business Mm -hmm. are the the moments that create that need for working hard and difficulty.
0: So the moments when you're still working on the coaching business, which is the business side of coaching and not actually coaching is what feels like work and feels like hard work. Yes. Okay. The,
1: the sessions don't feel like hard work
0: mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But you don't so they, resist hard work from what I understand. You're okay with hard work. You just feel it's a bad thing. Say again.
1: Actually, resist hard work, which is why I resisted so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, sorry, maybe I'm not understanding this correctly. Okay. Yes. So from what I understood previously, is that you're okay working hard. It doesn't actually matter. It's fine. It is something that you think is a bad thing and hence you think you shouldn't be working hard. Yes. That's what I understand. It's not a bad thing. No, it's it's not not a a bad bad thing. thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing till the time it's a sacrifice to your living purpose, till the time it's a sacrifice to your family, till the time it's a sacrifice to your beingness. If you can't stop, that's when hard work becomes a bad thing. Hard work is a good thing. I don't know where this narrative comes from that hard work is a bad thing. Hard work is not a bad thing. Hard work is a great thing. If you have that attitude already inbuilt, that's amazing, good for you. A lot of people have to work really hard or do a lot of work to be able to get to a place where they can work hard effortlessly right? So yes. it, it's great that you have that attitude. Don't take that away from you. That's actually a great thing. Yeah. Now the yeah. question is, does the hard work make you sacrifice your family or things yes. you love?
1: Yes, sometimes.
0: Sometimes, which is seems like it's also in control to some degree because it's only sometimes that you do that. Like if I have a big seminar or webinar, I might work one of the weekends, but that's once in six months. So it's very acceptable structure. It's not something that bothers me or my family because it's sometimes once in three months, once in six months, like it's okay if you did a little bit extra work in once every couple of months. Even every couple of weeks is fine for that matter for most people. So if that is the scenario right now, that's also not a bad thing.
1: I think hard work is unconscious behavior for me. Mm-hmm. which means in the sense that when I'm chilled out, I'm chilled out, yes. Mm-hmm. And that is very little hours in the day, maybe 30 minutes a day, not more than mm-hmm. that. So, for example, when I'm not supposed to work hard either,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: am still working hard, I will go and find something to work on. I will why actually go why
0: do it. you think it's a problem, Vail? Because, because you're saying you don't do it all the time. Why is I it a problem?
1: I think the problem is the tiredness that it creates, the reflection that it creates afterwards, you know, at the end of the day, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I've done so much for what? You know, for what did I do so much? for? What did I tire myself so much? And that sometimes is business related. And which is why, yeah, that's fine. I still got, you know, 40 emails out or I got 20 emails out. But sometimes the outcome is nothing. It's zero. Mm -hmm. I did not spend good time with my family because I was working on something else. Or I did not get my 30 minutes in the day to just do nothing. So Mm -hmm. that is the narrative that creates that, you know, this heavy tiredness to go. What did I waste my time for Mm -hmm. for today? You know, I worked so hard, but what did I do? I'm feeling tired. I don't even want to, you know, do anything. I don't want to speak to anyone. I think that is the core thing. To go, Mm -hmm. I think in my head, now that I'm talking to you, I'm actually thinking that whatever hard work I do has to relate to a good outcome in my head. If I don't get that, I am frustrated and tired. I feel tired.
0: So I'm going to give you three playbooks or three strategies. First of Mm -hmm. all, don't do any work that is not already preset on your agenda or your calendar that has purpose. Okay, so very easy to do. It's a very simple playbook to do. (laughs) Instead of saying, I'm going to work on X today, First thing that you do is make a month plan. Very easy to do. Just say, what's the end goal that I want to achieve by the end of the month? Write down what are the steps I need to do for achieving this goal at the end of the month and then make a plan for it. Super easy. So you will not do work that is purposeless because a lot of times purposeless works is created because of reactions that we have for the world and the things that people tell us for example a lot of people do a lot of hard work on putting up a social media post because they hear a strategy from someone and they think that's the strategy to go well, yes, you're going to work a lot on it and it's strategy that wasn't really aligned to what you're really trying to create. You executed it, but it's purposeless. And so it's purposeless. It will not create any outcome for you. So the first thing is to make, like literally, you can make it right now. Say, so, yeah, this is my plan. This is my outcome for February. This is going to be my plan. And this is the work that I'm going to do for it. All your work will become purposeful. So that's playbook number one. Yeah. Okay. The second playbook that I want you to follow is that think about your life As um, or your day as a AAA battery that you start with. It's fully charged. It's a new battery. You put it in, right? And if you think about your day or morning of the day or starting of your day like that, you will realize through the day, you lose power, right? But the good thing is our bodies and us as people are rechargeable batteries, which means every few hours, you can put it on recharge. And as it recharges, it goes back to full, right? And all of us have... Ideas around how we recharge ourselves. For example, uh, sometimes a great recharge, like for me, is to chop vegetables and make something very nice and beautiful for myself, right? It sounds silly, but it fuels me back again. Great thing for me to do, right? Something that recharges me is to do coaching sessions like this. So great. Let's do a coaching session. Something that recharges me is to go to the gym and move. Let's go recharge myself. If I do three to four activities like that over the entire course of the day, at the end of the day, there's no way I'll be tired because I've recharged every couple of hours. So I can do work that may tire me and then I can do a recharge. Then I can do work that tires me. Then I do a recharge. I do work that tires me, then I do a recharge. At the end of the day, when I'm home, I am not tired so I can play with my kids. I can hang out with my wife. We can talk for hours and I will still I go hang out with my friends, whatever I want to do because I am not tired. Yeah, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So find how do you recharge your battery because you can do that every few hours and you could do three, four times a day and you're good. You're golden, you're not going to feel tired, right? And the last thing is, if you've ever seen a plant grow, you will find that once you put the seed in the soil, you have to water it for several days, several weeks, before you even see a little seed come out, right? Not the, yeah. whatever it's called, a little plant come out. So a lot of times it feels purposeless to keep watering that pit of soil because you feel like, what am I watering here? Is <laughs> nothing here. This is just soil. There are seeds in there. I don't even know if it's growing. And then one yeah. day it grows. And you see it and you go, wow, this is great. But then it grows very slowly, almost inconsequential until one day it really sprouts. So a lot of your work, especially when you're building something new, is like planting a seed. It feels like you're doing nothing. It feels like it's purposeless. It feels like it's wasting your time and energy and you're doing it for God knows what. And then one day you yield because it finally sprouts and it finally becomes a plant and it finally bears fruit. But that may be several months and several years later. Right. So till the time you're doing purposeful work based on the planning that you did, till so the time you're refueling yourself, so you feel like that you can continue to do the work. That even if when you're t- even if it feels tiring, it needs to be done. Right. You will find that eventually. Your plant will grow to beautiful fruits and the beautiful flowers that the it is promised. But sometimes it will feel purposeless. It will feel like it's an act of nothingness and you will get frustrated with it. But to know that this frustration is temporary and one day this plant is going to be a fruit is what will keep you going.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So
1: yeah.
0: based on that understanding, do you feel most of your work can become more purposeful?
1: Minus the home chores, I think, yes.
0: <laughs> but home chores can also be very interesting. You can make them interesting. See, Pile, the beauty of our life is we can frame anything the way we want. Yeah. Right? So here's... And I don't know, maybe it comes from how your upbringing was as well. So in my upbringing... My father was a little bit OCD and my mom is also very cleaning uh, centered because we lived in a really tight space. And, you know, like if it was one room, you had to keep it clean. There was like nothing more to that, right? So because of that, they were very clean centered, but she would like to like leave things and clean them up later. And my dad was the moment he would see it, he would clean it, right? So what would happen is I would see that behavior around me all the time. And so now if I go home, Everybody knows that 10 minutes in, just back, if the house is unorganized, even with my little kids, it'll just get organized 10, maybe 20 minutes in, right? Because I just got home, right? And I'll be like, all right, let's put this in the places. And the thing is, I can think of it as a chore. I can think of it as an act of service, an act of love, right? It's not chore for me. It's an act of love for me. I am demonstrating that you can keep the house clean if you want to. If you don't want to, that's still your personal choice. I'm not asking you to clean the house. I am organizing the house as I would like to organize it, right? Everything that we do in our life can be intentional. Yeah. Even the ones that we don't enjoy for now. Because you see, you can make something or make an act that you are going to do in your life or you've committed to do in your life. You can choose to approach it with, oh crap, I have to do this. Or you can approach it as, oh, let's go get it done, right? The act will still happen. You still will go ahead and do it. The first version of it, you're just going to not like it. The second version of it, you will love doing it. So you are fine. And then the reframing of any act that you do in life is fairly simple. You can get it done in 10 to 15 days. You are a CLC graduate. So you know how important it is for us to choose a more empowered thought, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you choose a more empowered thought in a matter of 20 days, you can stop seeing your chores as chores and you can start seeing these chores as an act of love. And then they are not tiring. And then they are purposeful. And you are doing it with a meaning in your life. And it will actually contribute to your family instead of you feeling distressed about it, drained about it, unhappy about doing it. Instead of all of that, you'll feel excited and fun and joyous about doing it, and maybe your family will join them.
1: Yep.
0: Right, you have that choice, like all of us.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. Okay, Pyle,
0: our our time is kind of coming to an end. What is it that is a highlight for you today in our conversation? What is it that you take away from this?
1: Many things. Thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Hard work is not a bad thing. So that's my first thing. It's a good thing. I always used to say, you know, kind of listening for the past five to six years on why hard work is a bad thing has probably made it a bad thing for me. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing. I know that, you know, I've been working for acceptance. And that was a moment for me that it is the need to be heard. And, you know, every person is different and they're still listening. And I don't need to feel that I'm not heard. So, you know, that acceptance, I have to do it in myself first, which, you know, I'd probably sit with the thought throughout the day. Uh, the playbooks that you've actually given me, the, the highlight for me was the recharging of the battery. It doesn't have to be in a single way at a single time in the day. It can mm. be whatever. I just need to figure out what recharges me. Like, yeah. Gosh, I haven't even figured out. I know reading a book and just sitting there doing nothing recharges me. Having a, a cup of chai now that I've got to start to love the chai, has uh, started to recharge me, but I have to find other things which I can add throughout the day as a variety. And the thing that you said about OCD just now, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just like you, I have grown in a house where my mom's coming from that space of OCD it has to be in this, the right place and I've learned it from her. And I didn't actually think of that as an act of love. I mean, it is beautiful to think that That's the thing that I've actually learned. That's her love for us, that everything in the space needs to be organized. And that's what I need to give back. So yeah, many. Thank you for that, Ajit.
0: (laughs) Thank you for taking the time, Payal. It was great talking to you. I'll see you around.